Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. Well, hey friends, before we begin the message today, I just need to give a brief pastoral word in response to yet another difficult and painful week we've experienced as a nation. A whole lot of people are are, are reeling in the wake of yet another act of racially based violence. And as unfortunately has kind of become the norm in recent years, a lot of arguments are flying around online and on social media about you know, the cause of this violence, what motivated the shooter, how exactly we should respond. And while I can't speak with authority in all arenas, I do feel like I have some ground to stand on and how we should respond as a church. And as I've been thinking and praying and doing my own grieving this week, three words have come to mind. And those words are condemn, commit, and come alongside. Friends, as followers of Jesus Christ, we do condemn all acts of violence. Violence against fellow human beings is evil and it is wrong. And any act of violence that takes place that's based on a person's gender, or ethnicity, or race, or sexual orientation, or or any other identity marker, that is evil. That is wrong. Scripture tells us to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. So as a church, we hate these acts of violence. We hate any increase of violence, and we hate the increase of violence that has been taking place against the Asian American community in this last year. We condemn it. We condemn and we commit. We commit to praying. We pray for the people who are are grieving the loss of their loved ones today. We pray for everyone who is hurting because of the loss of these lives today. We pray for an end to violence. We pray for an end to systemic racism, to sexism. We pray for an end to the fear and hate that motivates these violent acts. We commit to pray. And we commit to listening and learning from the experiences of people of color in our community. When they tell us there's a problem, we listen, we learn, we commit to that. And we commit to doing anything and everything we can to make it that, so that violence like this stops happening. We condemn, we commit, and we come alongside Scripture tells us to weep with those who weep, and there are significant populations of our country who are weeping today. They're hurting, they're scared, and they're angry. And and in my experience, when when that's going on in a person's life, it's not really helpful to come alongside with pat answers or, or trite sayings. It doesn't help. What helps is just simple presence, coming alongside and saying, I'm with you. And for you, you are not alone. So to our friends in the Asian American community today, we just simply say, we're here. We weep with you. 
We are here for you. You are not alone. So as we do now transition to the message, I I invite you to join with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, pour out your healing, your hope, your love, and your understanding on this broken world. Be with those who are facing fears they should not have to face in this epidemic of hate and violence. Lead us, Lord of the nations, to hear the gospel that we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but we are members together of the household of God. We confess to you the mess that we've made of your world. And we look to you, Lord Christ, the one known by the scars to heal our wounds and make us whole. Reign over us, Lord, even as we wait for your kingdom on earth. In your mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. So as we begin our message today, uh, one of the things I was thinking about is uh, one of the things that sets me apart from all the other members of my family, my, my husband and my three kids, one of the things that makes me different from all of them is I am a very, very light sleeper. Anything and everything wakes me up. And they are all heavy sleepers. They sleep through anything and everything. Nothing wakes them up. But because I'm such a light sleeper, or really always have been, the concept of heavy sleeping is kind of forward to me. I don't understand it. And sometimes I get worried by it. Like sometimes I get alarmed. Like they're sleeping really hard and I start to worry, like, are they actually sleeping or is there something else going on here? And so sometimes... Sometimes it's it's happened. I've done this. I, I, I go in and check, especially when my kids were really little. I just needed to make sure that they were still alive, right? So I go in and I check. I check their, their vital signs. You know, you look at their chest just to see if it's still going up and down, if they're breathing. If you're still still a little worried, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll put a, a hand, touch their skin just to, to see, okay, they're still warm. Okay, they're good. They're alive. Or really, even, I mean, in really extreme times when I'm just really getting nervous by their heavy sleeping, you can even like touch their, their neck a little bit or their, their wrist here, just to see if you feel a pulse, right? Just, they always have been, they're alive, they're good, but they're, they sleep so heavy sometimes, I just gotta check their vital signs, make sure they're okay. But they, you know, all living things have vital signs, things that you can observe, ways that you can tell from the outside whether they are alive or not. It's true of people, and it's true of churches. For what is a church other than a a certain kind of gathered people and being made up of people, the church is a living organism. At least that's what it's meant to be. The church is meant to be, was created to be alive. And just like you can check the the breath and the warmth and the, the pulse of a person, there are certain vital signs you can observe of a church to see if it's alive as well. So we are rounding the corner. We are coming up on the finish line of this series that we have been preaching since January, learning together about the Apostles' Creed. And we've talked over these many weeks about how we believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. We believe in God the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to talk about how our belief in this triune God leads us by necessity into the community of God. 
how our belief in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit leads us directly into the church. For it is our living faith in a living Lord that creates and sustains the living church, what the creed refers to as a holy Catholic church, the communion of saints. And as I've thought about those words this week, as as I've pondered what it means to be a living church, what I think we're getting at when we say these words, when we recite the creed, is that, that to be the church that God intends, to be a living church, is to be a people chosen by God who together do the work of Jesus Christ, proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, and share in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. That's what the living church is. The church is a people chosen by God who together do the work of Christ, proclaim the message of Christ, and share in the fellowship of Christ. There's a number of scripture passages that that speak to the the necessity and and the nature of the church of Jesus Christ, and we're going to look at, at two passages today. First one's from the book of Ephesians. It's, it's a letter that Paul wrote, and, and we've looked at pieces of it before earlier in this series. And we're going to jump into to chapter 2, the first part of chapter 2, the first 10 verses, all kind of lay out the reality and then the details of God's amazing grace. That's where, where Paul pens those famous words about how we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, starting in verse 11, to talk about what happens next. You're saved by grace, then what? And what's next is is we're all brought together. So here's what he writes. He says, don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you were outsiders to God's ways, and you had no idea of any of this. You didn't know the first thing about the way God works. You hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall that we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here, with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home, 
He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in, brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple, built by God. All of us, built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. Now we're going to skip over to the book of 1 Peter. Just two verses. From that, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He writes, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. So today... We're talking about the church and taking these words of scripture and allowing them to inform and, and help us interpret the words of the apostles creed again what i want us to walk away with today is the understanding that the living church is a people who together have been chosen by god to do the work of jesus christ to proclaim the message of jesus christ and to share in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. So we're going to break those things down just a little bit. The living church of Jesus Christ is made up of a people who have been chosen by God to do the work of Jesus Christ. That's what we mean when we say, I believe the church is holy. Holy. It's, it's, it's a funny word these days. For a lot of people, it's a, it's a word that can kind of turn them off, isn't it? You know, for some people, the word holy implies kind of this smug, sanctimonious, holier-than-thou attitude. You know, to say the church is holy, for some people, they might mean that they think we're saying, you know, we're just a bunch of self-satisfied bores. <laughs> is that what it means? Is that, is that what it means to say the church is holy? I sure hope not, because who wants to be part of a group like that? Fortunately, that's not what it means. In the Bible, the word holy means something or, or someone who is set apart for the purposes of God. So, so in the holy in, in the, the Old Testament, for instance, the word holy uh, was often applied to the temple. The temple was holy because it was set apart for the worship of God. Or, or when the word holy was applied to people, to the people of Israel, they were supposed to be holy because they were set apart to carry out God's purpose in the world. And so jumping ahead to the New Testament, the, the Greek word for the church, we've told you this before, it's a, it's a word ekklesia. Literally means the called out ones. The church isn't a, a building. The church isn't an institution. The church is a people. A people just like us who have been called out by God for God's own purpose. That's holy. So that's what Peter's saying in that second passage we read. We're holy not because of anything we've done, not because of anything we could ever do. We're holy because we've been chosen by a holy God. And our holy God makes us into a holy people. He makes us into a living church when we allow him 
to use us to do God's work. So what do you think of? What do you think of if you hear a church being described as holy? Well, I think of the Kalali Church in Cairo, who over the last, I don't know, dozen years or so, they've, they've looked around at their mostly Muslim, mostly low-income neighbors, and they've simply asked, how can we help? And, and as they've asked that question, they've responded by building a daycare for the kids, building a teen center for the local teenagers, a medical clinic, a dentist's office, a geriatric center. The list goes on and on and on, all for the sake of providing tangible support for their local neighborhood in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy? Well, I think of Pastor Marvin Meza in Belize who very easily could have sought out and, and, and achieved a very posh life for himself and his family, but instead has chosen to live and serve as pastor at the Ebenezer Church in one of the poorest neighborhoods outside of Belize City. And instead of having that church build he, he himself and his family their own home, what Pastor Marvin and his family have done is, well, they've taken up residence just in a few rooms of that little church. And instead of directing the money and resources to them, they've taken those money and those resources out to provide homes for people in the community. Holy? Well, I think of a lot of the really incredible work that you all do day in and day out, but man, especially over this last and very trying year. You've blessed mail carriers and hospital workers and pharmacists in the Joy Project. You gave thousands of dollars to our COVID relief fund, which we were able to push out to people in need and, and, and even give to our mission partners who are all out on those front lines. You've kept our food pantry shelves filled so we can feed an ever-increasing number of hungry people. You've made phone calls and porch visits to people who are lonely. You've given uh, meals to people who are sick or had to face surgery. You have given and served and given and served, and you keep on asking for more. Holy? Well, if you mean stodgy and sanctimonious and self-satisfied, now, but if you mean chosen by God to do the work of Jesus Christ, then 100% yes. I think it's a, safe to say that the church is alive because it is indeed holy. Jesus' church, the living church, is a people who together have been chosen by God to do the work of Christ, and to proclaim the message of Christ. That's what we mean when we say that the church is Catholic. Now, it's funny. When we're all together, you remember that? Remember when we were all together? We will be again someday. Uh, but when we are all together and we're, we're saying the creed out loud together, I, I can kind of feel it. There's, there's two places in the creed where I, I feel you kind of pull back. Like, like you're saying it, but you're not really comfortable saying it. You're not sure you believe it. You're not sure what it means. There's two places where that happens. One is when we say, I believe Jesus descended into hell, right? That made you uncomfortable. And, and hopefully the message about that particular line helped you, helped you say it with more confidence and more, more comfort. If you didn't hear that message, go back, listen to it. It's on the podcast. 
But the other place where you kind of pull back, kind of get a little uncomfortable is right here. When we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. A lot of you, I know, because you've told me, you're kind of like, wait, 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 wait. Last I checked, we were Presbyterian. I'm not sure I understand what this whole Catholic business is all about. So if that's you, I'm glad you asked. Got an answer. Because there's actually two ways to think about this word Catholic. There's a big C Catholic and little c Catholic. Big C Catholic refers to the Roman Catholic Church, which is a particular branch of the worldwide Church of Jesus Christ that's headquartered in Rome and overseen by the Pope. That's big C Catholic. But little c Catholic, it's different than that. Little c Catholic, which is what we use in the creed, it's simply an adjective. It's an adjective that means universal. So, to say that the church is Catholic, little c Catholic, is to say that we believe that there is only one universal church because there's only one universal Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the church, no matter its denomination, no matter its cultural makeup, no matter its geographical location, socioeconomic position, worship style, preaching style, or any other possible variable that divides us as individual churches. No matter how many churches there may be, we are all one. We are all little c Catholic under the universal lordship of Jesus Christ. A living church is under the universal lordship of Christ, and a living church proclaims the universal message of Christ. See, the message of Jesus Christ is universal. It's universal because it's addressed to every imaginable human being. That's what Paul's getting at here in Ephesians. He says, people who, have who should have never even spoken to one another are now being brought together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That started then and it continues to this very day. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is universal. It is for men and for women. It's for young and for old. The gospel is for gay and straight, Republican and Democrat, American and Argentinian, and everybody in between. That's what scripture says. It says God is building a home, and he's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building, fitting us all brick by brick, stone by stone, as Christ Jesus as the cornerstone, holding all the parts together. The message of Jesus Christ is universal. It's to every human being, and it's for every human need. Theologian Ben Myers writes this. He says, the message of Jesus doesn't just speak to a special part of life, the moral or the spiritual part, for example speaks to the whole person, body and soul, individual and social. It is a Catholic message because it embraces the whole person in a word of grace and truth. The gospel is as broad and deep as human life itself. So yes, we acknowledge that there are in fact many, many different churches, but in the creed, when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we're saying 
that to the extent that each of these individual churches are founded on the person and message of Jesus Christ, then they are all part of one church. We are all part of one church. And as long as the church is boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ, then we can be assured the church is indeed alive. For the church, the living church is a people who together have been chosen by God to do the work of Christ, to proclaim the message of Christ, and finally to share in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. When we say, I believe in the communion of saints, that's, that's what we're talking about. Communion, it's just an old English word for fellowship. When we say that, what we're saying is we follow Jesus together. Now, I know, I know because I've heard them, that there are people out there, there may be people here today who, who sometimes ask the question, you know, what do I really need the church for? Right? Like, can't can I just follow Jesus by myself? And I get it. I get it. The church can be difficult. The church can be messy. Sometimes it, it, it honestly feels like it might be easier to follow Jesus without the church. Trust me, of all people, I get it. Happened one Sunday morning not too long ago. There was a mom who, who went in to, to wake up her daughter on a Sunday morning for church. And she was, you know, rustling or get, trying to get her up, and her, her daughter just pulled the covers over her head, and she said, I'm not going. And her mom wasn't having it. Her mom said, listen, give me one good reason why I should let you stay home from church today. The daughter, a little sassy, she said, one, I'll give you two, two good reasons. One, I don't like them. And two, they don't like me. Not going. But her mom didn't miss a beat. She said, listen, I got two good reasons why you are going to church today. You're 40 years old and you're the pastor. Now get up and go. Sometimes it can feel like it would be easier to follow Jesus without the church. I get it. Only problem is, Jesus didn't give us that option. Scripture calls the church the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. Just, just imagine with me now. Imagine Dave and I were to you know, be out talking to one of our neighbors, and, and we, we said to him, hey, you know, we really love hanging out with you. You're great. You're awesome. We, we'd love to be your friend, but your wife, but, uh, can she just stay home? We don't really want to hang out with her. Right? Imagine how that conversation would go. It's a non-starter, right? At least he's a good husband anyway. Like, he's going to be like, no, it, it's a package deal. You love me, you love my wife. We go together. That's the same deal for the church. You want to love Jesus? Awesome. You got to love his church. You want to follow Jesus? You got to be part of his church. It's just how Jesus intended it. The Bible knows nothing of a solitary Christian. The way we follow Jesus is together. And you know what? Though, yes, church can be hard and messy and, and, and even painful at times, I know, even though that's true, I am so, so, so very glad that Jesus thought of the church. 
I'm so glad that Jesus calls us into the church. I am so grateful for the living church, for the fellowship of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints. I am so very grateful for the men and the women who throughout my whole life have come alongside me, have loved me, and have helped me find my way to Jesus. And I want to just tell you about just a few of them as we close. I give thanks for Aunt Lois and Uncle Bill. With no actual family nearby, when my dad took the helm as senior pastor of University Presbyterian Church in Fresno, California back in 1981, I was an infant, my sister was two, and my parents were in over their heads. And so members of that church, Lois and Bill Baldwin, became for us Aunt Lois and Uncle Bill. And for the entire 10 years we lived in Fresno, Aunt Lois and Uncle Bill took care of us. They, they brought my family meals on a regular basis. Aunt Lois made a mean meatloaf. They babysat my sister and I whenever my parents had a need. Whatever it was, whatever we needed, Aunt Lois and Uncle Bill, they were there with open arms. And because of them, because of Saints Lois and Bill, I knew that I was loved. I give thanks for Mary and Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael and Mary, not, not the Michael Jordan, but Michael and Mary, they were just uh, members of my church when I was a teenager. They were volunteer youth leaders. And they not only led our youth group, but they invited us into their home. They made us a part of their family. And during my very, very awkward adolescent years, when I was struggling to find my place in school, Mary and Michael made it clear that I had a place with them. They always welcomed me in, awkwardness and all. And so because of Saints Mary and Michael, I learned that I belong. I give thanks for Paul Barrett. After college, I got a job in youth ministry at Mercer Island Presbyterian Church just outside Seattle, and, and during those years there, Paul was my boss. And I had a whole lot of excitement. I had all this enthusiasm, a lot of ideas, but not a lot of experience. And Paul just let me run, you know, whatever I wanted to try, he, he let me do it. And, and when things went well, he was there to celebrate with me. And when I messed things up sometimes, he was there with grace and words of wisdom helping me learn how to do better next time. And when I started to wonder and kind of struggle with what God wanted me to do ultimately with my life, it was Paul who pointed me to seminary. And because of saints like Paul, I learned that I could lead. And I give thanks for Jeff Conway. As many of you know, Jeff was the senior pastor here at Paoli just till about Three years ago, his health caused him to have to retire early and go on disability. But before he retired, I got to spend six years under Jeff's leadership when I was an associate pastor here. And in those six years, I saw Jeff listen deeply. He had listened to people and he listened to God and, and he made decisions from that rooted place of deep spiritual discernment. I saw Jeff serve humbly, 
whether it was making homemade meals for the entire session and, and staff or, or taking the blame for something, a problem that, that wasn't even his, Jeff was always a humble servant. I saw Jeff love unconditionally. You could not find a person that Jeff didn't truly, really, authentically love. Even if he was in conflict with that person, Jeff always found a way and a reason to love. And I saw Jeff lead boldly. Jeff had a vision, a vision for the future of Paoli Presbyterian Church. And with all his might, he just kept prodding us on, leading us forward toward that vision of the future. And I, I, I gotta imagine, I gotta imagine that at some level it must have grieved him to have to step down from leadership when that vision was just starting to, to really take shape, to get traction. But it, back to that kind of humble servant part of Jeff, he just graciously handed over that leadership baton to Jonathan and I, and he gave us his blessing to carry it forward. And it's because of saints like Jeff that I know how to pastor. So think with me, just for this moment. Think back on some of the saints that helped you come to faith, that helped you grow, they were there to encourage you in your journey. And if they're still alive, the people you think of are still alive today, I'm, I might encourage you to just write them a letter. Let them know the difference that, that, that they made in your life, the way that God used them in your life. They probably have no idea. You never know what a difference your words might make to them. You know, this... There's a lot I don't know, but of this I'm pretty sure. I am who I am because of the communion of saints, because of some very wonderful, very faithful, very human folks who just came alongside me and through whom I experienced the love of God. And I know, I know, I know that the church is alive because of what I experienced through them then and through what I experience now, through many of you. You know, I, I don't think Jonathan and I say it enough, how grateful we are, how, how blessed we truly are to be your pastors here at Paoli Presbyterian Church among this communion of saints. No, we are not a perfect church. There is no perfect church this side of heaven. But I truly believe we are a living church. We are chosen by God. We are doing the work of Jesus Christ. We are proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. And we are sharing however we can in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Friends at Paoli Presbyterian Church, we are one beautiful piece of the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 Amen.